First Peter chapter 1 is where we're going to be at this morning, and today as we uh, take a look into God's Word, we're going to be considering the subject of the marks of grace, the marks of grace. In life, we, we need measurements, we need marks, we, we need to know are we making progress, are we advancing. Uh, as children, we learn how to do that, we, we come into the house and or people haven't seen us in a while, or kids haven't, or haven't seen our kids in a while, and they'll say, my, how big your kids have become, or your kids will walk in and they'll say, daddy, have I grown any? And, and so we go to the wall and we put a mark, and then a couple months later we mark it again and we put a date, and we're keeping track, we're marking. When we get older, we become a little bit afraid of those marks, right? Uh, I've avoided my annual physical, I'm on year two of avoiding the annual physical, because I know what he's going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh me, yes. Um, he'll say, uh, well, he'll tell me a number of things, but I, the one that I'm, I don't want to hear is, uh, we got to do something about that weight, son. I know that. I don't want to do anything about it. I just, I like being round. And so we put off some marks because we're afraid of what we're going to find out. Or we, want, we don't know. The Word of God tells us that we are to be careful about marking our lives. In 2 Peter chapter 1, uh, Peter writes, there's the verse on top of your outline sheet, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm. He's like, make every effort to make sure you have the marks to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse five, it's not on our, the outline sheet or on the screen, but Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse five, the apostle Paul writes and he says, um, test yourselves to make sure that you are in the faith. And so the scriptures are very careful. The scriptures don't teach or, or preach anything that says, well, you know, if you just pray a prayer, you check a box, walk an aisle, and, and just go your own way and everything. And, and no, the Bible says, examine yourselves. Make sure you're in the faith. That there is a corresponding righteousness to your confession of faith. And so when we come to this section of 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, Peter writing to Christians who are facing intense suffering and severe persecution. He writes that they might stand firm and stay joyful in the midst of their trials and troubles and testings. He gives to them a series of instructions in this section of 1 Peter that we could say these are the marks of God's grace. This is how we know that we are part of God's family. This is the evidence. These are the birthmarks of true salvation. And beginning in verse 13, having opened the letter in chapter one, first of all, praising God for his great mercy. Last Sunday we looked at how God was faithful in bringing his grace to us, promising it through the ministry of the prophets, fulfilling that in the coming of Christ, making sure that the gospel has been brought to us in our lives at a point in time. What is the evidence of that grace taking root in our lives? 
Verse 13 begins the word, therefore. And begin in verse 13 of chapter 1 of 1 Peter, down to verse 3 of chapter 2. Five imperatives, five commands. We looked at, we saw the first one last Sunday. Set your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you through uh, at the coming of the, at the revelation of Jesus Christ's coming. A hope that is firmly set on Jesus Christ is the first mark. Verse 15 that we're going to look at this morning. Be holy in all that you do. Verse 17. My 55-year-old mind is working and I refuse to look at my notes. I'm going to have to look at my notes. Live reverently. <laughs> Live with fear. Conduct your lives with fear. Verse 22. Love one another deeply from the heart. Verse 2, chapter 2. Desire, crave the word of God. We'll try to look at number two, three, and four this morning. I think we can do, we'll see how far we get. All right? If you have a copy of God's Word, let's read God's Word together. I want us to see this, and then we'll begin to look into the Scriptures to see what God has to uh, say to us this morning. Uh, beginning in verse 13, I think I have on the screen down to verse 16, but I think I'm going to read through verse 3 of chapter 2, so hopefully you have a copy of God's Word uh, and you can follow along. Beginning in verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on God as, uh, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things like, or such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from your ancestors, but with, instead, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God for all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field but the grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of the Lord endures forever and this is the word that you have heard that was or this was the word that was preached to you therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit hypocrisy envy slander of every kind and like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Wonderful passage of scripture, is it not? 
Let's look into the Word of God and see what, what God has said. What are the marks, the birthmarks of grace? Number one, uh, we might say it this way, I have called, but we might want to put it in past tense. Having been called by God, what shall we do now? Pursue holiness. Pursue holiness. Having been called by God, pursue holiness. We see this in uh, verses uh, 14 through uh, 16. The apostle Peter, he's writing, and he starts off in verse 14, and he says, do not be conformed. And that word there in verse 14 is uh, to be squeezed or to be molded. It's used in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where Paul writes, and he says, do not uh, be conformed to the world around you. Instead, be transformed. And so the idea is don't let the world squeeze you or press you into its mold. That's the word here. Paul, Peter writes and he says, don't be conformed, don't be uh, squeezed, molded by your evil desires. The word there, evil desires, is the word for lusts. Not just sensual lust. Don't be conformed to your sensual lust. And obviously that's true, but lust is uh, descriptive of our life apart from Christ. Before Jesus Christ, uh, before you heard the gospel, before you received the gospel and believed on Jesus Christ, don't be conformed to that kind of lifestyle, the ways and the values, the beliefs and the behaviors of your life without Christ. Verse 15, being, or hold it, this 55-year-old mind, uh, but, uh, but, but, uh, just as uh, the one who called you, boy, oh boy, uh, but just as he who called you is holy, what's missing there, what's implied there rather, is that participle from verse 14. Don't be conformed to your former lusts, right? But, and what's implied is this, be conformed, to the one who called you, to the one who called you who is holy. Be molded, be shaped by the one who, the holy one who called you. Be holy in all that you do. Do you see what the word of God is saying? That when the grace of God takes hold in our lives, there ought to be a difference in the way that we live in this world. No longer being conformed, molded, shaped by the former way of living, but instead being molded and shaped by the one who has called us to himself. The word there, the called, but just as he who called you is holy, that word there called is, it, it speaks of that effective call of God, of God upon our lives. It's the call of God that brings us to salvation. But we know, for instance, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that it is not God's will for anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That is the overarching will, design of God, and yet that call of God comes into our lives through the gospel when the gospel is preached and proclaimed and you and I hear that gospel, respond to the gospel by faith, that call of God comes to our lives. And so that time, the place, 
that you heard the gospel and you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was calling you at that moment is the holy God himself. And Peter writes and says, just as this one who has called you is holy, be holy in some of the things that you do. Right? No. In all that you do. When you're awake, be holy in all that you do. As you go about your business, be holy in your business dealings. As you go to work, be holy in your, when you're in the workplace. When you're alone at home, be holy in all that you do. When you're with people in the, throughout the day, be holy in all that you do. As you speak, be holy in all that you say. As you think, may your thoughts be holy. As you begin to meditate and the meditations and the intents and the desires of your heart, make sure that the meditation intents desires of your heart are holy. Be holy in all that you do. Why? Because the one who brought the gospel to you and called you to himself is holy. Pursue holiness. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. The writer of Hebrews says, Pursue peace with all people. And holiness, for without holiness no one shall see God. We need the holiness of God applied to our lives through Jesus Christ, but having that holiness of God applied to our lives through Jesus Christ, you and I must be holy in our lives. You say, what does it mean to be holy? That word holy yeah, means to be different at the root of it, means to be different or to be set apart. <clears throat> the temple in the Old Testament was a, the holy temple because it is different than any other building. The Sabbath is a holy day unto the Lord because it is different from this other six days of creation. The people of God are to be holy because they are different from those around them because they belong to God. And so when we think of uh, holiness, uh, the holiness of God, uh, the holiness of God's people, we need to think of holiness maybe in two ways. First of all, being separated from sin and being set apart to God. Holiness means being set up, separated from sin and being set apart to God and his purposes. God says that we're not to be, uh, that we're to be different in how we live our lives in all things because we have been separated from sin. We've been set apart to God. Verse 16, for it is written, be holy, because I'm holy. You see what God, God is saying, listen, holiness isn't just something that I want to pose upon you so that I want to make your life miserable, right? Like, I don't think God's sitting up in heaven going, man, it really stinks being holy because I can't go out this Friday night and do what I want to do. You understand what I'm saying? Y'all with me this morning? And so God is saying, listen, in all of my holiness, in all of my separateness, I am calling you, I am inviting you into the life of who I am. 
my joy, my delight, my completion, my fullness is going to be found in me. Come to me. Be holy. So we must ask ourselves, is there that mark of holiness in our lives? Is there is our lives being marked by a greater uh, hatred for sin and a growing love for God? Or do we find ourselves today with a greater attachment to our life before Christ? and a growing fear and suspicion of who God is. The one who has called us is holy. Therefore, be holy in all that you do. Number two, the second mark of grace is having been redeemed by Christ's blood, behave reverently. Behave reverently. Having been redeemed by Christ's blood, uh, behave reverently. We see this in verses 17 down through 21. I'm gonna come back to the command here in verse 17. Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. I'm gonna come back to that. What I want us to do is, first of all, I wanna pick up on the work of God's grace in our lives, having been redeemed by Christ's blood. When Peter writes and he says, know this, that uh, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed That word redeemed uh, takes us back to the Old Testament where um, it takes us back to that uh, Exodus chapter 12 where there was the, the Passover lamb. Do you remember that? When the people of God, Israel, were in bondage, in slavery, in Egypt, and God redeemed his people. He rescued his people from death and he set them free from slavery. Do you remember how that came about? It was the Passover lamb, that lamb that was without blemish, without defect, that, that perfect lamb would be taken and for each household there was a lamb that was slaughtered and the blood that was applied over the doorpost, that blood that was applied over the doorpost would then rescue the, everyone who was in that house from the death angel and they were set free from their slavery. In the same way, you and I are under the curse of sin and we are enslaved to sin. The Bible says that we are slaves to sin and we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There was a a good movie that came out recently called Just Mercy. And it tells a story of, a, of a, a black man who was falsely arrested and charged and sentenced to death for a murder he did not commit. And uh, based on a true story, I, I think it was in 
Alabama, I think, or I don't know where it was, somewhere in the south. And, um, and, and, and eventually he was uh, exonerated from the charges. There was mercy that was given to him. He was falsely accused and sentenced to death. You and I are rightly accused of our sin and rightly under the sentence of death for our sin. But through the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ, we have been set free. There's many things that we can redeem in life. Have a, a diamond we take to the pawn shop and we have to go and redeem it with silver and gold. We put our, purchase our home and we put it under a mortgage and every month we redeem our homes with silver and gold from the mortgage company. But there's one thing that silver and gold can never buy and that is the redemption of our souls. And that was purchased through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, since we have been redeemed, live out your lives as foreigners in this world in reverent fear. This world isn't our home. This world isn't our home. And the Bible says, having been redeemed, having been redeemed from what? From the empty way of life handed down from our ancestors. The only thing that we receive from our fathers, from our earthly fathers, is a sin nature. And Christ has redeemed us from that empty way of life. Therefore, journeying from here to your home in heaven, live in reverent fear. That word therefore live has the idea of coming and going. As you're going from this place to that place, going from this place to that place, live Conduct yourselves in fear. The idea of fear is the idea of reverent fear. It's having a, a, a living with this awareness that you are always in the presence of God, right? The psalmist, says, uh, the psalmist says that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The fool is the one who says, you know what? God doesn't care. God won't see. God won't do anything about this. I can go my own way, do my own thing, live my... The Bible says you can't do that anyway. You have been redeemed from that old way of living. Therefore, live every moment of your life in an awareness of the presence of God. Let the awareness of God's presence guide and direct your decisions day in and day out. I wonder how many times we, we don't live with that fear. We're ambivalent towards God, we're indifferent towards God, we're, we don't, we, we know that God knows all things, we know that God sees all things, we know that God is everywhere present, and yet we choose to live as though God doesn't know all things, God doesn't see all things, and God's not here right now. 
Peter says in verse 17, since you call on a father, that is who God is through Jesus Christ. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, God doesn't grade on a curve. God doesn't, well, I know you had a really bad day. I know that, you know, your family upbringing wasn't very good, and I know that, you know, you just the whole, you know, you just a lot of bad things happened to you, and so therefore, now God doesn't make excuses. And so that day of judgment is not the day of, well, are we saved or not, but it's the, our work, our life's work is gonna be tested. It's not a judgment of salvation, are we saved or not, but what is gonna be the evidence of grace in our lives? And so we go through life, we're called to go through life living, going from here to there in all things with reverent fear, living in awareness of who God is. Called, having been called by God, pursue holiness in all that you do. Having been redeemed by Christ's blood, behave reverently. Here, on this earth, right now, number three, having been purified by truth, love intensely. Verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, we're not saved Our purification is not dependent upon doing something. Jesus was asked, uh, what is the work that we must do? Jesus says, believe on the one who has sent me. Having believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been purified. That there's a faith and obedience that the scriptures connect throughout the scriptures that obedience and faith are connected. So having obeyed the truth, having believed on the truth, you have been purified so that you now have a uh, sincere love for one another. That phrase there, a sincere love for one another, is, a, is the word there for brotherly love. You and I, having, been, having believed on Jesus Christ, our relationships have changed. We are, the, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Since that is a reality, love one another deeply from the heart doesn't say try to be really nice to one another from the heart doesn't say well just put up with each other from the heart it doesn't say ah go find another church from the heart you understand what God's word is saying yeah you're right what they did was incomprehensible and unforgivable and so you don't have to forgive them from the heart. It doesn't say that. <laughs> Love one another deeply, we might say earnestly, intensely. From the heart, the idea there is from an unmixed, unblemished heart. And we can't get around this. God isn't telling us to have nice feelings for one another. 
God isn't even telling us to be kind to one another. God's calling us to love one another. In our marriages, God's calling us to have this kind of love for one another. And in our new eternal family, we are to love one another with this kind of love. Just take a look who's around you today. <laughs> you still want to look at each other? <laughs> this is who God's calling us to love. Love one another deeply from the heart, earnestly, intensely, with an unblemished, unmixed um, love for one another. This means that there's going to be a growing appreciation and affection for one another, that we're going to begin to know one another and deeply care for one another. It's not, hey, how you doing, brother? See you next week. That we're going to love one another. There's going to be a growing care and concern. We're going to begin to bear one another's burdens. We're going to step into one another's burdens, uh, lives, and, 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 and come alongside and, and help one another. The Bible says that, that when we have this kind of love, we're going to share of our resources. We're not going to look at our brother and say, well, listen, uh, God bless you. Go your way. Be filled. Have a nice day. We'll see you next week. We're going to give of ourselves, our resources. We're going to sacrifice for one another. We're going to... Uh, uh, Speak the truth to one another in love. Sometimes that means that we may have to say things that are going to wound our brothers and sisters. But we're going to wound personally and directly because our heart is love. We're not going to speak about our brother or sister behind their back to somebody else. That's not love. We're going to build one another up in love. We're going to be committed to one another in love. We're going to be devoted to one another in love. We're going to prioritize one another. We're just going to make room in our calendar and in our homes and in our lives for one another. We'll protect one another. You know, like at home, brother or sister pesters you and, and it's on. But you go to school, and somebody picks on your brother and sister, well, it's on too. <laughs> We're going to protect one another. We're going to believe the best in one another. We're not going to assume the worst in one another. I think of this past summer when I was, when you so graciously allowed me to have those weeks for, to be alone with the Lord and and when I was in Houston there, and I was one morning, I was just praying and asking God to, about praying for our church, and God gave me that picture of a fellowship where a picture of just being scattered across a field, disconnected and disunited, and God binding and knitting us together, making us one in Christ. That's what this verse is saying. And we don't do that just on 60 minutes on Sunday morning or, well, here lately, 90 minutes on Sunday morning. (laughs) 
love one another intensely from the heart. Maybe there's someone here this morning that you need to forgive. Maybe there's someone this morning that you don't trust. Maybe there's someone here this morning that you resent. Maybe there's someone here this morning that you have unresolved issues with. Maybe there's someone that you've been mean towards, you've spoken against, you've gossiped, you've slandered. And today, God is very clear. The mark of his grace is intense love for his people. Jesus said it this way, John chapter 13, verse 34. By this will all men know that you are my people because you show up on Sunday morning with your Bibles. I'm glad you're here. By this will all people know that you are my followers. Because you love one another deeply. Deeply.